Hey everyone. I'm Shauna's husband. That's it's pretty cool. Um, so we've been hanging out here for about a year and a half or so, and I'm really honored, honestly, to be standing here to get to talk about God's Word. Um, I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd. I love the Bible. I love how it, it was uh, assembled. I love every author. I love the continuity between the books. I love the two languages, three languages that are spoken in it. I love words. I love uh, theology. I love uh, context. I love all of that stuff about the book and and. Because it isn't just, you know, it isn't just like this bestseller that you just pick up and you just get to like, you know, like read little bits here and there or, you know, have like this little kumbaya moment with a psalm verse or whatever. But man, these are like, these are like people, you know, that lived life and, 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 and had experience with, with, with Yahweh and Jesus. And, and so they, they communicated that. And uh, they all have problems. I mean, every person in this book was a human who had issues. That's, that's why they're there. You know, you don't, you don't read, a, the stories are about people that struggled. It's not about somebody who, you know, everything was rosy and cool and great and wonderful and fine. Those people are boring, right? You know, well, have you ever seen that bumper sticker, well-behaved women never make history? Have you ever seen that, right? So it's like there, there are all these, there are all these um, uh, women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus who are not well-behaved women. Rahab. Rahab, right? Bathsheba. Others. Ruth. Ruth, you know, snuck in to sleep at the feet of Boaz. And you never know what happened on that threshing floor that night. <laughs> So, so the book is full of all this, like, like lessons for us on how, to, on, how to, on how to do life. So if you're here today and you're thinking that we're going to read a whole lot of Bible, we're not, okay? I have really only one scripture that I'm going to look at, and the rest is, the rest, the rest is going to be context, okay? So I'm really honored that to be invited to, to, to stand up here and talk about what we're going to talk about, and uh, we're at a meeting, and we're like all praying. All right, what are we going to what are we going to preach on? And so this this big idea of of talking about the book of First John came up, and and so we're like, all right, well, who's going to take chapter one? Who's going to take chapter two? And th- and so on. And and then somebody said, you know what? We really would like to have that's a, a session on context, like this book. Like, who wrote it, and when, and why, and what's the big picture, and what's the big idea, and, and all that stuff. Mark, you get to do that one. And so, so, so okay, so I will. Here I am, and I'm, I'm going to. So, uh, so before I start, though, I have a, a, a really bad dad joke. Is that okay? Okay. All right, so you guys all know who Julie Andrews is, right? Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins, and... Um, Maria, was that her name, Marie or Maria, yeah, in The Sound of Music, right? 
the hills are alive. I won't be like DJ and sing and, and do all that kind of stuff. But um, so I don't know if you know this, but she, she was uh, endorsing lipstick for a little while. And it, re- it wasn't working very well because it was really bad lipstick. It was just cheap. I mean, it was, it was really bad. So, so she wrote just a, a really quick line to the, the people that she was working for. And she just said, the super color fragile lipstick gives me halitosis. <laughs> So on that note, I will pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for today and uh, this, this uh, fun crew who really wants to know you better. And so um, we have an opportunity today to, to dive a little deeper into one of the very, very short books of the Bible that has probably more in it than we can really handle in a lifetime. And so I pray that your anointing would be on each one of us and open our ears to, to you. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us as we learn and grow. In his name I pray, amen. So um, I don't know if you've ever uh, like been in church where somebody said, man, I just wish we could just have like a cool New Testament church where everything was really simple and you know not very complicated. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but you know, as a pastor, I, I heard that from different people, and um, and I and so I would I would just I would just kind of come back. Oh yeah, well, which church would you? Which one of those New Testament churches would you like to to be a part of? Because really, in all reality, um, they all had problems, and that's really that's really why they're in here. Like like. Um, like Rome had theology issues. They didn't know much about God. So Paul wrote this amazing treatise on theology. Uh, Colossae had the, the, um, the pig dog heretic Gnostics that were in that church. The, um, uh, like the Bereans maybe were the only good one. But um, like what else? Um, they, they were all really messed up, Right. The Corinthians, they, oh yeah, they had like sex issues and marriage issues and um, they were, uh, class warfare, right? They were all fighting all the time, but the, up, the upper class and the lower class. And, and then uh, like the Cretans, right? So Titus and the Cretans, they were just like plain old heathens. I mean, they just were, they just needed Jesus. And so, so, um, so we get to look uh, today at, at uh, this amazing book of First John, and so you all, you all got a text this week asking you uh, to look at the book, to read the book, and then come today, maybe with some ideas about like what you read and what you what you think the book is about, all about. So, real quick, we're going to open the mics and we're going to hear from you. So, uh, if you could, if you have, if you did, if you were obedient to the text and you read this week, that's great. Um, if you have something that, you know, maybe you saw in there for the first time or, or whatever, um, just go ahead, lift your hand. We'll, we'll take a minute and interact on this. Anybody? Um, just a quick one, but um, me and my husband were reading sort of the context behind it. Yeah, stuff that yeah, you're- yeah probably going to talk about, but, um, and I, I never actually realized, um, what the issue was with that church so much about the Gnosticism and all that. 
going on. And so it made more sense to me why uh, John seems to be repeating himself a lot in there. Because, um, you know, I've read, read the book a few times, but it's like, okay, you said that, you said that, you know, like he's repeating himself a few times about this is why we need to love and Jesus Christ is the son of God that came in the flesh and a lot of those things. But anyway, I will, I'll let you do what you're going to do <laughs> because it was, just, it was just an eye opener to me to go yes. like, oh, that's why yeah. Yeah. all that stuff happens. Yeah, Shauna went home last night after my sermon last night and read the whole book and she was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> that, was, that was encouraging for me. Anyone else? Okay, good. So I want to get on with, with what I get to do. Good job. So I have written down here good stuff. Thank you. So thank you for all that. Thank you very much for all those, those comments. All right, so let's start with... Um, who wrote the book and when? So it's believed that John, the son of Zebedee, uh, was the one that wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation. So those five books. There's a whole lot of discussion about if he really wrote them, when they were written, and how that all worked out. As you all know, the book of John is significantly different, the gospel of John, than, than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those three are very, very similar, uh, but John is very, very different. There's no parables, uh, all sorts of stuff in that book that's different than the others. Uh, so it's thought that John, the book of John, would have been written like 80 or 85 or something like that, which would have made him really old. So uh, he wrote that book. Um, some think that, uh, so, after, so after Acts 8, you don't hear about John anymore. Uh, he left probably 66, 70 before the, the city was destroyed by General Titus, the Roman general. Uh, and they think that he moved to Ephesus and lived there for quite a while. And uh, while he was there, something happened. Um, he made an emperor really mad, and so he was sent to the island of Patmos where he wrote Revelation. So they're not sure when he died. We don't really know the year he died. And there's some ideas about how he died, too. Some, some said he was boiled in oil. Yeah. Uh, one, one story says that he was in the oil to be boiled, but then miraculously got out and then ran away and they never saw him again, maybe. Uh, this guy, Papias, said that he was killed by a gang of angry Jewish men. And then one other uh, fun one said that he was raptured, that he was taken up to heaven, that he was like uh, Elijah and uh, Enoch. Right? Just got taken away. Maybe, maybe not. I doubt it. Uh, I don't go with that one. So some people think, well, if he was that old in the gospel, why didn't he talk about the temple being destroyed? And um, maybe that wasn't the reason why he wrote the book of John. Maybe he wrote the big book of John for another reason. And I 
personally, it, it was to, to talk about who Jesus was, that he was the son of God, that he was him here on this planet. And so um, tucked between those two are these, are these fun little three books called First and Second and Third John. And um, so here's kind of how this worked. There are three, like, centers or regions in which Christianity uh, kind of resided after Jesus died. One was around Jerusalem and Judea. Pretty obvious. Another one was in modern-day Turkey. So that was, like, where Paul traveled and planted all those churches um, in Ephesus and Colossae and Laodicea and, and all of those. Um, and the third one is not geographic, but like uh, communal almost. And that is the Johannine community. It's kind of like Jubilee used to be, right? You had the main Jubilee campus, and then you had all these other campuses. Castle Rock had a campus. So it wasn't a regional uh, affiliation, but a, uh, a, a, an association of fellowships. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. So the Johannine community, based on the disciple John, he taught a certain way. He preached a certain way. He taught discipleship a certain way. And he created this community. All right? We have no idea how many there were, and we have no idea how big they were, and we really have not much idea about them specifically, but we do know, because of some historical books, not the Bible, except for these three, that it did exist. So here is kind of what I think took place. I think John started or wrote almost all of 1 John, and then he died. I think he died, and then I think somebody else finished it, is my kind of thought about this. Because by the time he would have sent it out, 85, 90, yeah, he would have been, I mean, he would have out, he would have like had a Guinness world record for old guys at that point. Because they just didn't live to be that old then. So, um, this book, 1 John, you don't know who wrote it. There's no clue in it who wrote it. Uh, it's not like a typical epistle that starts, I, Paul, and Timothy, to you in whatever, whatever. Greetings, hey, how's it going? He doesn't do that. Instead, he makes a big fat argument. And this letter is called an encyclical letter, meaning it's very general, and it was intended to be passed around from one group to another. The book of Ephesians was also an encyclical letter, but it ended up in Ephesus, and then they scratched in Ephesians, two Ephesians in there, somewhere along the way, way later. So uh, this book is generic, general, not specific to a town like Colossians was, like Philippians is, like some of those other very specific books. This was your problem, people. Fix it, kind of a thing. So 1 John, it was intended to be passed from one 
town, one community to the next, and everyone read it. Second John was written to uh, uh, the chosen lady and her children. I think a cover for a specific church. Third John was written to a guy named Gaius. So I think what happened was this letter was written, it was sent around, but two communities specifically received those special letters so that they could they could uh, understand a little bit more for them something that they needed to do. So first John is, is general, second and third John were very specific. And they, there were warnings. There were warnings in second and third John. Don't pay attention to these guys. They're bad news. Watch out how they are, how they are talking, what they're saying in your, in your group. Okay, we cool on that? All right, awesome. So, um, I've heard it said that uh, the very last thing that somebody says is sometimes the most important. And that's often the thing that you remember. The very last thing that they say is the thing you remember. So, uh, with that in mind, let's look at the very last thing that John says in 1 John. So, flip your Bibles or scroll or whatever to... uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, It says right there, little children, keep yourselves from idols. We've all heard lots and lots of sermons about idols and what they're about and not to follow them and and not to put anything above Jesus and all that kind of stuff. So what what is John doing here? So he says little children. Dear, like dear children or, or little children. If you look through the book, he, he, he gives this title almost at the beginning of every chapter, probably at least 12 times in the book, he says, he, he says dear friends. He's, he's very, I mean, he loves these people. As a pastor, he really, really loved them and was ensuring that they understood that that they were loved. Now, he's not being derogatory here. He's not saying, you know, he's not like speaking down to them and, and, and being like flippant with them. He really loves them. And, and he, he believed that they were just young people in the faith, that they were, that they were people who were growing and, and needing to understand, you know, who they were and what they were all about. And it's really fascinating that, that that's how this book ends. I mean, that's it. Dear children, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Mic drop, like almost like, like, what am I going to say? What else? What else am I going to say? So, um, in in true nerd-like fashion, so the word keep, fulaso, uh, for is has has a couple different ideas, and and it's it also translated as guard and protect. So, so so children. Protect yourselves, guard yourselves, keep yourself. Do do what you can. And notice, notice it isn't, it isn't a, a an action out, and it isn't passive, but it's an action you have to do to yourself. You have to guard yourself. Nobody else is going to do this for you. It's something you have to do on your own. 
You have to think about what you have to do to make sure that something does not happen. So this idea of idols, nowhere in the gospel, nowhere in the other books, does Paul, or not Paul, John ever use this word idol. Now he does mention it three times in Revelation. Interestingly, interestingly enough, twice when he's speaking to the church in Ephesus where he lived, he mentions idols. But Ephesus is also like a huge heathen center. I mean, they had the church to Artemis, and they had all sorts of other stuff that was going on there. So what so what so this is a command too. Keep is a command word. It's not like Oh, if you feel like it. No, it's like, keep it. you got to do this. this is, it's imperative that you do this. So why is he doing this? Why, why does he finish this book that way? Children, what? Friends, <laughs> be careful with your life and what kind of idols you go after, you chase after. So let's, let's climb in a helicopter and let's do a 30,000-foot view of this, of this book. And as I was typing that out, I, 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 why is it always a 30,000-foot view? Have you ever noticed that? It's always 30,000 feet. It's like, hmm. Anyway, cruising altitude. Maybe so. So, so here's, here's kind of here's something that happened. So Jesus dies. He leaves the planet. And at that point, the games began. <laughs> to define who Jesus was, to define his, his church, to define what he meant, to make sense of all the stuff that he did, began. So, all sorts of crazy ideas began. Have you ever noticed, like, when somebody dies, they uh, kind of the ideas about them kind of change a little bit? You ever gone to the funeral of a scoundrel? <laughs> and, and, and how wonderful they are after, they, after they've died? Right? Yeah? I'm not saying Jesus is a scoundrel. But, but when, he, when he died, there was a... There was a uh, there was a race to, to define who he was. And, and it got messed up. They didn't have this. Yeah. This didn't come around until way later. Yeah. Right? They, did, they didn't have the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed until like 325, which defined who he was. So there were all sorts of crazy ideas about who Jesus was. And so I tried to upload a couple of quotes from this really nerdy book. So it's 200 pages, about five little chapters in the Bible. But in the front of it, there are all these quotes from this guy named Irenaeus. And I'm not going to read them to you. I wish I could. Um, 
But I tried to like take pictures of this and have it on the you know the the dealy bob that you're looking at right now. Um, but their pictures were too big. They, I don't like that. But um, it is insane some of the ideas that they believed about Jesus. Are we really doing what he asked? You know, church. Are we, is this what he intended? Meeting in homes, is that what he intended? You know, what, what, what were his intentions and what, where have we come? Where, where have we ended up? And, and when you're singing these songs to Jesus, you know, and, and you're like singing to him, in your mind, you have an idea of who you're singing to. What is he, what is he like? Because I think all of us, all of us have mixed ideas in with who Jesus really was. And that's called syncretism. So you have Jesus and what he believed and what he taught and what he said. And then you have other ideas. And that is found all over the planet. I mean, voodoo in Jamaica is syncretism. There's some Jesus, and then there's some other stuff mixed in. And then you have the Gnostic idea. Gnosticism was not, it comes from the word gnosis, which is the Greek word for knowledge, which is a fine word, but the Gnostics took that word and kind of turned it into special knowledge. And basically the idea was that the spirit was good and the flesh was bad. So be as spiritual as you can be. But then they got a little goofy and they started indulging in things of the flesh, pretending to be spiritual and being spiritual and saying, well, I can, I can dabble over here and that's okay. Uh, and then that became really hypocritical and two-faced and that just, it just went bad. That, that, that didn't work. It, they tried, but it, it just didn't work. And then you have this idea called Arianism. Basically, Arianism is the idea that Jesus was way more man than divine. Um, there are current Christian religions, I won't mention them by name, that are, are Aryan. Now, not Aryan in the way that Hitler's Aryan. This is a different... Arius lived with, with, around Jesus' time. But basically, Jesus had a dad... He had a mom. He was human. There's no way he could be divine. So that was, that's Arianism. And then you have what I believe and what others believe is the case for 1 John. Docetism. Docetism says that when Jesus was baptized, he was a human. He was baptized at the Jordan River by his cousin. And when he was, and the Spirit came on him, something changed. And he became more divine than human. And actually, if you were to like, take a, a microscopic picture of, of his feet and the ground, you would see a little gap 
between his foot and the ground because Jesus, he was spirit. He didn't walk. That's what they believed. So docetism is the, is the, argument, the, the mindset, the paradigm, the, the way of thinking that, that John is coming against in this book. It comes from this word, dakine, dakane, which means to seem. Like, well, it kind of appears that he's human, but he's really not. He is an apparition. He's like, he's like, he's like a phantom. He's, he's not really real. He's, it's kind of, he's kind of just this roaming spirit. That's what they believed. Way more, way more, way more, more divine than human, than humane. So I want you to remember, I want you to remember that word phantom, okay? So, uh, so what John is doing is John is warning all of these communities that he was responsible for against this teaching. And if you pay attention to the wording, you'll, you'll pick up on it. That he is, he's the son of God. So, the way the book begins is like, it's tactile. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it requires the senses. That which was from the beginning, which sounds a lot like John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was in God, Word was, was in the beginning, the Word was with God. So John 1 1 and 1 John 1 1 start very, very similarly. But notice it's very tactical. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at. And our hands have touched. It's like, look, he was real. It wasn't like, you know, put your hand through his chest. He was, he was, he was real. This list requires the senses. It's, it's palpable. It's perceptible. It's, it's real. So this whole book is all about, it's an argument that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was God and he was man. Over and over and over and over again. So if you look at John, the book, John tells you how to be a Christian. This is how you be a Christian. First John is asking, are you a Christian? Okay, are you? All right, we, took, we taught you how. Now are you doing it? And 1 John is like, it's like a test. Because over and over and over, there's questions. And it was really interesting. Lauren brought something up at our meeting. She said, you know, uh, I read this book every day for a month when I, you were a teenager or some, something like that. And, and, it, and on, can I be honest? I stayed away from this book as an adult. 
because it's super convicting. It's like, uh, I'm going to hell. I, I am not a child of God. There are, it's, so it says in there, um, you know, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. It's not talking about my fleshly brother, Chris. It's talking about you. Now, there's nobody in here I hate, but there are some people that I'd rather steer away from. So am I in darkness? So I don't like it. But the reality is, if you look at it from the perspective that, that there's assurance, that there's something to aim for, that you're not just left hanging. You're not just left, well, you're, you hate your brother, you're going to hell, see you later, bye-bye. No, it's, no, there's assurance. You have opportunity, you have a goal. You have something to shoot for. So it's a test. This book is a giant test to see if, 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 you're, if you're doing it or not. Because, I mean, look. Uh, I showed you that one. This is a test. This is only a test. Uh, this one right here. <laughs> Are you in light or darkness? Do you love or not? Do you love the world or God? Are you a child of God or a child of the devil? Yeah. Do you love righteousness or lawlessness? Do you love your brother or hate him? Do you walk in truth or falsehood? That's just a couple of questions. The book is full of these kinds of like, okay, are you a Christian? Back to the last verse of 1 John. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Dear children, protect what you know about Jesus. There was a Jesus that walked on this planet. Let's follow that one. So this word, this word idol here is the word aid alone, which is translated idol. But it can also be translated phantom, ghost, or mental image. So I think what John is trying to say here is guard yourself from from believing a Jesus that is not real. Be careful who you set up as Jesus.
Idols can lead you astray. But a fake Jesus can lead you astray too. So I hope I'm not a heretic, but I have the marble translation. (laughs) Keep yourselves from the idea that Jesus was a phantom, that he wasn't real, that he didn't walk on this planet. Something that I've always believed, and I've said lots and lots of times, When I read through like the, the gospel stories and uh, like Jesus does something that's like really crazy and supernatural, like you know some people call that like pulling the God card, right? I I cannot serve a Jesus who only pulls a God card. Jesus has to be a man to me. He has to be human. There has to be that part of him for me to love him and serve him. Because if he can just if he can just float around not even touching terra firma and pull the God card whenever he wants, that's not that's that's cheap. Hebrews says that he was a man just like me. That he struggled just like me. That he had to choose. He had to learn to be obedient. Did Jesus ever get a spanking? So I want to choose to be careful about about the kind of Jesus that I have set up in my mind. And I think I think that's the big argument in this book. Is what Jesus are you believe do you believe? And the arguments come over and over and over and over and over. And we get to hear that in the next six or seven weeks. And everybody is going to be cool. So one more interactive time. I know we're 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 probably over, but Shauna took my time. So if I have made it perfectly crystal clear, then you, there's nothing that could be asked about the first question. But you're welcome to, because I'm sure I have opened a can of worms here. And I would trust that you all will go home. If, when, you, when you go home and read this, read it all in one chunk, okay? Read it all in one chunk. Don't just, don't just you know toilet it and just read a little chapter and then be gone. <laughs> all right? Read it all. Get it all. It, 15 minutes at the most. All right? Okay, so, so what, what do you want to hear about in the next eight weeks? You know, what, what kinds of ideas? Like, like, I have a question, and mine is, I think, Justin, you get to answer this one. Um, test the spirits.
how? I've always heard it. Mark, God tests the spirits. But nobody in my 30, 40, 900 years of being a Christian <laughs> have I heard how. How do you test the spirits? So I want to hear, I want to know that. Okay, all right. Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, Josh. Um, so I believe that, uh, you know, with, with John and speaking about John, that God is 100%, he was 100% man and 100% God. And he was, so I, I love that he was 100% man so that he can be relatable yes. to us. Amen. And I love hearing stories about that. So about how he relates to us, how he uses the foolish things of the world to confuse the wise, and I'm one of the foolish things. And I love those kind of stories and, yeah. and teachings. And then he was 100% God, so we honor him, and we know that he's the Messiah and that we accept him in our life, and then we have eternal life. Amen. And so I love hearing those kind of things. So it, were you asking for suggestions, correct? Yes. So, okay. I, so I forgot already. So anyway, so relatable stories to Jesus because he was 100% man and honoring him because he was 100% God. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I'm, I wanted to say how excited I am about this study and thank you for bringing that, that context to this book. Um, personally, I'm in a season right now where, where my best friend, who we, who we grew up with uh, since middle school, pursuing Jesus, on fire for Jesus, went to Bible college, studied God, and now, and now he's in a phase as a pastor in downtown Denver of, of deconstructing his faith, and Jesus has started to disappear and become a phantom uh, where he's becoming a universalist, and this is happening, and universalists still acknowledge Jesus to some degree sometimes. Yes, they do. Um, yeah. But a lot of them are starting to even fade from the fact that he's even real, and, and the conversations I'm having with my brother in Christ uh, is now, well, Jesus was just a, fi a figment of their imagination back then. And uh, like the devil is, is working so hard to deconstruct Christians' faith right now. We've seen some massive Christian leaders, um, many of you may know some names, who have uh, put out there this idea of let's deconstruct our faith. Is, is Jesus really real? Yeah. And it has actually started to to decay and destroy Christianity in America at a very, very heavy and quick pace and rate mm -hmm. because now Jesus is just fake or he wasn't human or he was too God or he wasn't real. This was all just dreams and, and fantasies and, and fictional stories to help us be like a good guy. Um, and that is, it's so pervasive right now and it's a massive tool of the enemy. So I think it's very strategic of the Lord that we're studying this book and I, I appreciate your bringing a weight. I was in tears when you brought a weight to the fact of like, we better know who Jesus is and, yes. and stake, uh, stake something in the ground on this reality because Billy Graham's best friend, who was actually a greater evangelist than him at the time in the early 40s and 50s, uh, had more crowds and was preaching the gospel. Then he went off to seminary and said, I need to learn more. And he started studying these ideas about Jesus and he left five years after his seminary degree not believing in Jesus anymore. And he left the faith and Billy Graham said, I will never... I'll never do this. I'll trust the Jesus of the Bible, and, and we know Billy Graham's story. But oh, wow. I just uh, I appreciate yeah, your humility and the, and the weight you brought to this fact that we need to put a stake in the ground on who Jesus is. Amen. No, that's, good. that's good, Josh. 
There's one verse What's in, your name? Oh, Tom. Tom I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Uh, there's one verse in the whole book that's haunted me for years, and I keep soaking in it, but I'd appreciate this church's take on it. It's one, uh, John, 1 John 4, 18. And it talks about fear four times. We love, or, or there is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And he, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Well, I'm not there. Are we there? Are we perfected? In, what, what, what do these words mean? And, and what is love? I think there's a big misunderstanding on that as I look at this. Lots of confusion. And there's a lot of fear out there right now. And does it control you? And there's the fear of the Lord. And then there's fears. So to me, this is the most pregnant verse in the whole. To me, that was a purpose for me in this mm -hmm. book. And I'm still soaking in it. And I need... Keep soaking. I you're, need you're input. There. You're there. I'd like your input. You're there. Be assured. If you're sitting here... You're probably all right, okay? If you're here today, you're probably all right. not if you're here. You are here. You're you're, 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 you're okay. Couple more. There's one. Hi, I'm Rosie. Um, so I I kind of would like to hear more about um, when you started talking about First John. I, I kept hearing that old song. This is my commandment that you love one another. And I was like, why do you always sing in my ear, Lord? Like whenever anybody's talking, <laughs> it happens a lot. Anyway, so I was thinking that that was the thing I wanted to hear more about. Like we are to obey all his commandments because we love him. And, yes. and, it sa and he says that in, yeah. in the book of John and then also in First John. Duplicitly. So I guess how that relates to what that really means, you know, and obeying his commandments all the commandments, and um, because we love him. So I guess that's Amen. what I want to hear about. Amen. So when I think about the book of First John, my name's Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Um, I, it definitely, it's very black and white. And, and I think the reason that I read it like 100 times in high school was because I was like, I don't get this because I don't see the heart of God in it as clearly as I see in like the book of John. I feel like John, the disciple in the book of John is just communicating this love for Jesus and for the spirit and, and for the Holy Spirit. And just, you know, it's walking with Jesus. It's this intimate thing. And the book of first John feels very condemning. And, um, and so in high school, I was like, this is problematic for me and I don't understand it, which is why I kind of like Preston. Um, but my heart is that um, maybe for people in the church who have always read this book as a condemning book that we can kind of bring to light, like how is this communicating the heart of God? What is it about the nature of Jesus and the heart of God mm -hmm. that we need to really like mm -hmm. own mm -hmm. that's in this book mm -hmm. and, and the really black and white truth and falsehood, light and dark. Like there's something about that, that in our culture is uncomfortable and in our kind of individualistic freedom mindset as Americans doesn't quite fit. And, but it's there. And, and this is the word of God. And it's something that we need to wrestle with and yeah. to own yeah. as believers. So my hope is that we can kind of make, make peace between those two and own what we need to as disciples of Jesus that say, Good. well, dang it, I guess I have to deal with 
this and, and I need to be moving toward what it looks like to look like Jesus, the real one. Hi, I'm Erin Beth. Um, that is extremely loud. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been on stage and sang in one of these. Um, the thing that I see a lot in church, and it's been growing up, and I'm sure every single person in here can attest to this, is we have very strong extremes. We have an extreme where we get taught so much truth of like, this is truth, this is truth, this is truth, follow this, right? But then we go into this world and we see the black and white, right? It's, oh, well, that's wrong. I'm not supposed to engage in this. But then as we start looking through life, we see another extreme of, oh, well, God just wants us to love and give grace. And we have to, you know, meet that and the, not the tolerance thing, but like we genuinely want to love people who don't know better, right? And Jesus does this perfectly, but it's like, I want to see more examples and more practical things of like, how do we live Jesus, right? Because he comes into this world and confuses everybody. He goes and sits with the tax collectors. He goes and does all this stuff that's taboo. And you're just looking at the guy like, wait, I thought you were supposed to fix things. I thought you were supposed to live the law, right? And we are not supposed to be under legalism. We are supposed to be under him and his love and his heart but how do we do that without then overshadowing all of these things and being like, well, I'm just going to love them and let them live in it. It's like, how do we genuinely love people and be the example of God and be the heart of God without turning into, you know, we're just watered down and there's no message now or Powerful, the other good. side, right? Of yep. like, oh, well, you're just all wrong and I can't be with any of you. No. We need to be done, right? I mean, we're like way over. Nursery workers are wanting to hate us, right? Well, you can show them. You can say. All right. Um, all right. So here's what I suggest. Take this phone number down and text anytime. Uh, maybe just go home and think about this. Okay, what, what do I want to hear? in the next few weeks? How do, how do I, what, what do I need to, for me? And you can be selfish on this, that's okay. And uh, again, your assignment is to read it all through in one sitting and, and get, the, get the big picture idea of what John is, what he's trying to say. Okay? Sound good? Are you encouraged? Good, you don't, you don't feel like, oh, I'm never going to meet up to what Jesus wants? All right, good. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this amazing crowd of people. Uh, let these words that were spoken today be life. Let anything that I've said that is not life just fall away. But Father, let, let what is important to each one of us be what uh, is a seed that, that grows and embeds and, and flourishes and bears fruit. We love you today. Blessings on my friends. In Jesus' name, amen.